This week on the audio podcast, show number 64, Spark the Review Fuse, um, are going to talk about the Autoria software instruments. What else, Sam? Um, there's also Autoria hardware in there and other new software and old software that's getting a bit longer the tooth. And Crashtastic Adam has um, some things to say about that. And yep, hardware and software issues around podcasting abound also. And you know what else? Adam's going to complain about logic again. Yeah. All of that coming up on this week's The Audio Podcast. It's Monday, the 16th of July. This is episode 64, Spark the Review Fuse of The Audio Podcast. I'm Scott Hewitt. I'm Samuel Freeman. I am Adam Yanch. Hello, Adam Yanch. Hello, Adam. Nice of you to join us. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on the show again. And, and hello, Scott. So um, this is show number 64, which, as Adam quite rightly says, is a, um, is a significant number. It's a power of two, and that's very important if you're a computer geek. So the next significant show for me will be 128, and that'll be, what, 2014, something like that? Well, you'll be happy to know there's a reference back to show 32, which would probably be your last one. So, But we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So um, the reason this is the Spark the Review Fuse show, is that right? Yeah, it is. Um, that was just a title I made up. Is because we actually have some reviews this week. How about that? Pretty exciting. Yay. Yes, indeed. Arturia sent us some copies of their um, stuff, and Scott and I have been looking at a couple of them things. So shall I go first? If you want to, yeah. Let's go for it. Yes. Okay, so Arturia sent us a copy of Vintage Drum Machines, or just Vintage as it's known on their current line of next generation stuff which is what they're plugging so i've been having a play it's a drum machine and if i do some google magic then on the oh i can't find it how do you press the button i can share the screen and we can show you what it looks like select it magic. Go. Magic. so when you start the program this is what you see, and this mimics the um, hardware controller. So there's two products under the name Spark from Archeria. There's the Creative Drum Machine, which is a hardware controller with software, and that software includes everything which is in the Vintage Drum Machines, which is what I'm looking at here. And Vintage Drum Machine has 30 different drum machines you can choose from. And using um, this here knob, you can spin it around and click things. So we've randomly landed on this now. Is that going through? Yeah. Is it? No, no, I didn't get it. Very quiet. It's very quiet. Very quiet. How about if I just hit play? Yeah. Very good. Um, let's spin the dial again, pick another one at random, and hit play. Oh. Okay, anyway, I found using this part of the interface kind of made me frustrated that I didn't have the hardware controller, to be honest, because everything maps exactly onto what the hardware controller does in terms of the layout and, yeah. But this is only one of three parts of it that we're looking at here. Okay. And if, so if we click here, then we'll unfold the top part, which is sequencer. And as well as having 16 drums all shown so we can see the pattern rather than just one at a time you can also unfold each to edit the motion of any of the parameters and if we go down to the bottom then we can see that they have 
for each instrument, there is at least there's always six parameters there, and and more if you use effects in here. We can load different effects. Um, okay, the last part down here is the library, which lets us load kits, and each kit comes with a whole bunch of patterns pre-made. So, which is a good one. Let's try. Well, okay. And the only other thing I haven't mentioned is up there at the top. Well, there's probably more, lots of things I haven't mentioned, but there's the song mode as well, which um, uses drag and drop for loading patterns into sequence. What what else? What else should I say? Well, that's cool, Sam. Can you uh, can can you select your screen on the broadcast on the broadcast yep. box so people can see it big in their big in the main screen? I'm just thinking. Yeah. So I presume you can obviously program up in the sequencer, in the sequencer part of it. So you can use this just to throw together a kind of drum part, a drum part very quickly. Then. Yes. So that's that top section up there, isn't it? The sequencer there. And you can also hit record on here while it's playing too. So if we select, let's see if one of these banks is empty. So if that's playing through, you can hit record and. Perhaps with a little bit more imagination and rhythm than that, but you get the idea that you can hit record and record things through. Again, this is something that with hardware input is going to be much better. Um, this runs standalone or as VST, and if you're in VST land, so if you've got this plugged in, I tried it out in um, Cubase, and you, as well as running in sync the patterns that are built in here, you can tell it not to receive input MIDI from the you can tell it to receive input from the host instead. And in that case, you can drag and drop these patterns actually into the sequence of tracks, and then it drops the actual MIDI parts, so you can then edit them further in your host, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Oh, oh Well, that's the, that's the way I was doing it with MIDI, but you can also, um, in the preferences, switch the drag and drop behavior so that you can drag and drop an audio file of the loop. So you can drag and drop from here and get as a really quick way of exporting audio loops if you want to further process them. Very cool. So do you have any, uh, to put you on the spot, do you have any uh, loops that you, you got anything there you can uh, play us out of your review with? Or... Yeah, I think, if let's see if I can um, find the one I had in mind. This, uh, let's see if this is it. Um, let's go for this one. Very cool. <laughs> so that's uh, that's very cool stuff. So um, should uh, oh, and more. Sorry, sorry. No, okay. no, that was great. That's great. That's great stuff. So um, perhaps should I go take a should have a look at my um the one that I reviewed as well then? I okay. just wanted to ask a couple of questions. Yeah, go go for Adam. Um, uh, can you what's the um, not audio editing but like. Can you drag in like a a whole loop and then just like select one bit of it, like just uh, get the start and loop endpoints? Uh, do you do you mean in importing like a a sound file? Yeah, yeah. Because you said you can drag and drop. No, that's oh, for export. That's yeah. for export. Okay, sorry. Um, and I, what are the effects like? Have you did you try them out? 
I did try them out. So in the mixer, I was I didn't expect much from them to be honest, because I thought that that'd just be something that they added on. But I was actually really impressed. They it looks like, like it's got two org sends. Yep, so that's so got, cool for for send effects. And then each one can have so each instrument can also have two inserts, and there's a a fair selection of things. So crush, chorus, comp, delay, distortion. EQ, phaser, destroy. Um, oh, that's weird. Is, have you got the menu up? Because oh, can you not see the menu there? We we couldn't see the menu there. Oh, that's interesting. But okay, so I've selected destroy there, which has um, bit reduction and stuff on it. So oh yeah, <laughs> like it. Yeah. So um, in if you get if you were to go for the full version of the Spark system with the hardware control and everything then you'd be able to layer up um samples or things on each track in which case this area here in, would give more controls but as it is it's just stuck on this one picture of the tr to right no matter what instrument you're using i find that a bit annoying to be honest <laughs> where especially seen as for the projects when you're saving a project you can um, select your own image for it which is kind of cool um because you can browse the library um hmm, okay oh it, when you load it up it comes up with a itunes style roll of things to look at oh you can't see me with my answer. yeah i think <laughs> some of these overlays are not showing up on uh up on the google plus video feed oh well that's a shame we can't we can't blame arteria for that i think that's just a it's just a Google uh, Plus thing. Yeah, it'll just be something to do with that, which is a shame. Cool. Well, that's. Uh, I was interested in the effects because that's one problem I've had with like soft software drum sequences is that I can't get enough interesting sounds out of them because it's either like one global effect or it's no effects at all. And so you're limited to, whilst you're building the beat, you're limited to just what there is but there seems to be quite a decent amount of flexibility in that system there is indeed yep and all of the effects you can um when you've got one up you can right click on it and take you to the motions so you can actually sequence all of the effects in the same way so each everything that's available you can do that and it defaults to per things but as you can see it quite, you get um if i hold command yeah then you get within each step you can actually move things quite a quite a lot of flexibility and yeah that's that's very cool and because there are synth sounds built in um in addition to the drum sounds there is a a selection of synths notes in there so you can then use this automation or motion as they call it to um to pitch it to create to hold you could yeah complete cool. tunes in here if you wanted to yeah all it, all it really needs now is to be made into a proper self-standing hardware synthesizer, and then it would be amazing. Well, it, yeah, this a lot of it feels a lot like using hardware as you're going through, especially when you're in the main interface because it's all mapped to it's all mapped to the hardware thing. I mean, you can change what these are affecting, but you only have the three available. But there's a lot of stuff going on that you wouldn't be able to easily do unless you were to have i don't know touchscreen things attached to your hardware like 
to mimic so that your hardware then be started mimicking software in the same way that software is mimicking hardware. There's, I think there's a lot more available in here than you would get in hardware alone. Mm. Cool, cool. But yep, I was generally impressed with the whole thing. If frustrated for not having the hardware control to be able to really move around really fast. I mean, I think in their own blurb, they talk about lightning fast um, workflow, which if you were able to kind of do two things at once or more, then I would agree with. But with the point and click experience, I think maybe just more time would need it, be needed to get used to it, how it all works. Excellent stuff. So you can read a, a kind of a kind of written summary and a couple of screenshots up on up on amongst our show notes for this week's show um, at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 64 because this is show 64. Cool. That's cool. So um, I also had the opportunity to have a play with the Oberheim um, SEM, SEM5 simp. So I'm, I don't know, Sam, if you want to push me across into the main window. Yep, that's on now. And um, so... For anybody who's ever done a lot of podcasting with a video kind of thing, when you try and generate software on your computer and get it back in, life gets really hard work because they're worried you're going to pirate movies. So um, I'm going to have to just plug a second sound card in. But um, when I plug it in, a little bit of noise appears. So if you take this as the reference, and now there may be a little bit of kind of digital background noise, and that isn't coming off the synth here. That's actually coming off the uh, Personas audio box so um ah. it's a personas usb audio box which is incredible because it doesn't need any drivers but is awful in that it just doesn't seem to work but if you um can you unplug the power from your laptop does that fix it? it it might do but i don't know what the state of this laptop is in terms of not working when not plugged in so oh okay th- this is the yeah so th- that's a that's a nice context question so this entire review has been done on my uh two gigahertz macbook two gig ram box which at times really felt as if it was being pushed quite hard when i was when i was playing with this but that's not a you know that's more of an observation than a kind of major concern um so if we take a look at the sem here um it's this this top section up here i presume you guys can see my mouse movement can you i hope that's it yes cool so this this section here is actually the kind of authentic original section from the from the original sem sem kind of devices and then Atoria have added on this uh, effects here as well, on the side of here, um, an overdrive chorus, dry wet, the output level, and then this kind of low frequency and sub subwave oscillator at the bottom as well. So um, the synth itself sounds, I, I think, sounds pretty amazing. Let's hope it's all working. Ah, Major C. <laughs> My life is complete. Oh, here. This will freak you out a bit then. Bingo. So we, we get, you know, you get these incredibly rich sounds that you would expect of any sort of subtractive synthesis system. Um, you get them there as well. Um, part of a big feature of this is what they call this true analog emulation system. It's a TAE system they have. And what it's actually doing is emulating the kind of, um, you know, kind of slight variation that you would get because of kind of analog circuitry. So, you know, the, the fact that resistors and capacitors wouldn't always have consistent values and the fact that things would change over temperature. So they've really kind of worked to try and do that as well. 
Um, another thing they've really looked at is when working with the filters is they've been very careful to match the filters to the kind of the, the kind of sound that was typical of the SEM system. So the filters are a little bit more people say weedy, but they're just they're not quite as harsh as they would be in a modern system. So you get a, a lot more kind of a much more kind of graduated, you know, gradual roll off on the filter rather than a full one. Um, so I can just hear a bit me a bit of that. Just bring the filter back up. There we go. Um, the the you know the the effects are pretty nice. Um, that's a bit of chorus here. Just a. Can I start? I'm going to put the arpeggiator onto a hold mode for a minute here. get a kind of you know a nice sort of you know real, real kind of depth to the filter as well which i i really liked i thought that was really kind of fun and a, you know a lot of fun to sort of play with and work alongside as well um like the kind of um the, the drum machine there's also this extended kind of interface at the top here as well where you get a keyboard follow and this allows you to map the um you know various parameters against the position on the keyboard so in actual you can rather than having the frequency of the filter or the resonance of the filter always be consistent. You can actually have that varied across the keyboard range as well. And um, you can do that for a whole variety of parameters in there as well. Um, let's get a, you get the, um, you know, a, a programmer for eight different voices inside there as well. And also, you know, there's a modulation matrix then kind of various different kind of chorus. You can control the chorus and delay in a very similar way to as, as kind of Sam was discussing as well. So that's kind of nice in there. Something else that's kind of neat is you can go from mono to poly, um, and poly mode as well. So I just kind of pull up there, where you you definitely get a kind of real richness about the sound. And if you're working on a keyboard, you can obviously you know I I couldn't plug my USB keyboard in because I ran out of USB ports, but um and things got a bit messy. But with this you know with a keyboard and the ability to play three or four notes at once, you can get this incredibly kind of rich textures being built, which I thought were pretty fantastic as well. So th that's just a little kind of um, a little sort of overview of it. Um, it's available as a demo that uh, that comes with limited functionality and will, and a kind of time limit kind of feel to it as well, and um, where you can have a play um, and, and really kind of get to get a feel with the kind of opportunities that are in there. Um, I, I like the Spark coming with you know lots and lots of kind of presets. It's exactly the same here. Where you literally. Um, I don't know if you can see this pop-up menu come up here, but there must be a couple of hundred presets available here with all sorts of kind of different things. And it's, you know, with with an incredible kind of richness of sounds, as you would expect from a kind of subtractive synthesis system. So um, I, I really like it. Um, I like it. It's kind of easy to use. It's kind of fun to play with as well. Um, something that I was very impressed with is the supporting manual, which actually comes with a fairly kind of detailed history of subtractive synthesis 
and then it goes on to talk about particular techniques that might be of interest and how to actually kind of develop sounds on the synth itself, which I thought was, you know, was pretty exciting as well. So yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool. There you go. Cool, cool. I think, yeah. Although, although there's still a lot going on under there with with the, being able to unfold the top and open it up to program more layers. I think, I think you, I think you, yeah. It's definitely it's more of a concentrated thing on one instrument. Like the part of the confusion I had in how to talk about the spark drum machine is that there's there's 30 different instruments going on there. I mean, I just talked about the top layer rather than digging into all of the stuff underneath, but yeah, as a, as a single instrument, that sounds awesome. That's very cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to drop out of the screen share. I pulled the cable out. So my kind of weird noises should have disappeared hopefully. And we can drop out from there and, um, you can find a kind of my written thoughts online as well. I've put the show notes and the links across to all of them there. And if you want to go check them out, you can have a look. Um, we're very grateful for the copies that we were sent to kind of try and kind of trial out. And we hope that's been useful to people. And, you know, and on the audio podcast, we're always very open. If somebody sends us something to try, we like to, you know, make people aware of that's, that's what's happened and such. Yeah. Cool. So um, I th- it looks like Adam Yanch is wanting to take a bite out of the news. <laughs> no more my mic um one little thing before the news um i've i have an upgraded setup for the audio podcast because i have da, 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 a mic stand so Yay. look ma no hands fantastic uh so yes let's get on with the news and the the first news item this week is that uh since they've been devolved from the Digidesign stroke Avid family, M Audio have uh, just released some new keyboards called the Axiom Air range. So, uh, what are these keyboards, Scott? Are well, they MIDI keyboards? Yeah, they're MIDI controller keyboards, and that that's pretty much as much interest as I could uh, as I could generate, to be honest. If you're if you're looking for a small controller keyboard, you were probably going to have a look at M Audio anyway, and you're probably right to. They come in. Have one, you know. Yeah. They, they were masters of them. I have one right here. Look, it's the classic like seventy pound one. <laughs> awesome. I I have one. I have one with dials and sliders in a cupboard just here, which I use on a fairly regular basis. Um, they're kind of handy, aren't they? Just just to have there because they're light yeah. and they're USB powered, so you can just kind of plug them in when you need. So these these new ones, is there some special feature that they have, or are they just kind of the new stock version? There probably is some special feature. <laughs> I, I have to confess, I was like, oh, it's a it's a USB keyboard. The main reason I put it in there is because when I followed the the link across, it currently still says M Audio by Avid at the top of the screen at the top of the web page, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> so um that was my main my main reason for inclusion of of, of said items really. And hence the reason why I only wrote a line about them and put a link because Come on Scott, you've got to give them time. I mean they've got to remember their their hosting password and everything, you know, they probably have to get a new password. A new password generated perhaps. Yeah. I don't a new password oh. for the new M Audio website. Not powered by Digidesign. Not powered. Yeah, that'd be what it says. Not powered by Digidesign. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the, these these Axiom Air series keyboards, um, there's a whole there is a whole series of them going all the way from the designed to be portable up to you know designed for kind of studio installation. Um, coming with a, you know some of them coming with sliders, dials, kind of you know drum pads on the top of them as well. So they're, they're designed to be much more kind of complete solutions rather than here's just a keyboard sort of thing. So that that's kind of that's kind of cool. Just announced as well today. So, you know, that's why I kind of, you know, we're right up to date with this one. That's how the show works, and people haven't noticed. We're up to date at the start, and it gets more and more historical towards the end of the show. as the week. Well, that's how, that's how history works, Scott. It that is, is how history works. <laughs> it is indeed. Now, something that was also announced today, which I feel, kind of, I feel kind of bad about, because as it was literally announced at about 4 o'clock this afternoon, we ha- we, we're not really in a position to do a great job in it, and I think this is, a real, this is something that's really important, actually. But um, Steinberg have released New Endo Live. Now, um, I, I kind of rather unkindly refer to it as a GarageBand-esque thing, but that's essentially what it is. What, what, what they've said there is um, it's based on New Endo, but it is a stripped-down version designed for live recording and with integration with the Yamaha kind of CL series keyboards, uh, yeah, consoles even, sorry. So I, I, I don't know if you guys have had opportunity to kind of have a look at this in any in any more detail yet but um it... not not really like you say like this is only just being put up so having a no but i think no i better know well no but it, it saying that what's interesting is they say it's built on top of new endo but it deliberately is a single screen interface so it's uh you know you can say i want to record these things i want to record these tracks and then you know press just press record and it just records those audio tracks. That's what it does rather than all of the kind of production and arrangement complexity of something like Nuendo. This is purely a record the thing you want to record. And it sounds kind of like audio desk then or long, long departed audio desk. I, I don't know if uh, Motu still make that. Yeah, but audio desk was built as the kind of freebie you got with your sound cards to persuade you to buy DP, wasn't it? Whereas this but is, then this will be, the same kind of thing. You can buy it separately, but it will come with. It sounds to me like the thing they're teeing up to put alongside to bundle with audio cards or things like you said. The Yamaha, there's a Yamaha console that it's designed for. Yes, so, the CL series, yeah. So it's there's obviously something going on there. It's kind of like Cubase AI or whatever it was called. The the like mm-hmm. the the cut down version. But it's, the, it's, that's what it sounds like, but a, a different take on it, like a garage band esque take on it, as you say. I, I think you're right about that, but there's a couple of really cool, unique features which, which I was very impressed with. Um, one thing I read about was this thing called the virtual sound check. So what you can do is, if you record, you can record the show from the previous night, and then when you get to that, when you get to the venue, you can hit play, and it plays back the multi-track recording through the through your kind of you know Yamaha Yamaha CL series desk. And then you can, you know, remix last night's show into the new space to use that to kind of, you know, maybe do any kind of EQ for the whole room or any sort of treatments for the whole room or for the, the different arrays inside the, the desk there, which I thought was a really neat feature. I've done that with some smaller kind of things I've toured. I've used multi-track versions just to kind of get the feel for the room and get the room tidied up to ease. Does, that, does that work, though? Does it actually work? That, that idea? Uh, have I... Am I thinking about this correctly? So you record last, say you have last night's multitracks and on the computer, and you play them back through the desk. What, you're playing them back through multiple speakers or through the PA? 
Well, you would, in, you in could do it whichever venue? way you wanted to, but you could certainly play it back. You know, the, the use I've always had for it is to play it back to set up the EQ for the actual space itself. So if, if you imagine you're okay. in a kind so that, of I mean, touring it's, situation, it's a, so you're not hit and miss. going there. Oh, yeah, it, it's, it's not, per, it, you know, it doesn't get you the finished item. You still need to sound check with the, you know, sound check at the end. But it does mean that you can sit in there and quickly get a feel for what's going on, you know, for what the space is like and, you know, spot any kind of really bad low frequency resonance or anything like that. So it's, it's a technique I've used myself before and this kind of integration you know, between the recording element of and doing it, I I think it's a nice kind of touch. So, I think that's and kind of uh, any any other unique features? Probably. Probably. <laughs> there seems to be a slight mismatch. Oh no, I've got myself going through. That's really annoying. Never mind me. There we go. Can't speak when I've got half a second delay of yourself coming back through. Um. So. This is being built as a stripped down version of the big production thing, but then they're talking about using it with this enormous live rig desk. It, the, the stripped down kind of feel, I, I think Adam kind of pushed that a little, you know, pushed that idea maybe a little bit too far because I okay. really think that they're viewing this as the, as the product where you go and record the show and once the show's recorded, you can take the content that it captures and push that into Nuendo to then to master and to produce it. But I, I think there's that kind of, that's the kind of workflow here. So this is like the design to record, to capture the material for production and, you know, work elsewhere. That makes okay. do you, th th That was my kind of read of it. Yeah, because this, you know, a CL series desk is a serious, you know, it's, it's a fairly serious desk for certain tasks, isn't it? So, mm. yeah. I, I kind of like it and I'm, I, I kind of like the idea of it, and I'm very interested in the way that we're starting to kind of crush down interface design and things like that. Because this is, you know, I, I look at the inner, I look, you know, I've looked at a couple of screenshots here, and immediately I was like, oh, I think I could, you know, I kind of see how that would work and how I could do, you know, I could, you know, I had a lot of confidence about how things would work, probably more so than you get from a, here's a completely empty session in Cube, you know, in innuendo, go for it, which. But that, that's just an observation. Yeah, that's a, yeah. We should try and get a copy to have a play with. I might, I'll see if we can organize one. That would be kind of fun. And uh, we should get one of those Yamaha desks to play with it as well. You know, just to test that out, you know, it, for, the, for, for good journalism. Good journalism. That, that's true. Should we, should we get a, um, a string of tour dates at different venues um, and, and a band to put on these things as well, just to make sure we can be thorough in our assessment of the possibilities? Well, yeah. That's you know. a great idea. I thought if we're not thorough, if we're not thorough about it, then forget it. That's what I say. <laughs> That's very true. Something well, else that we would need to think about is the um, is the licensing time. Um, here's a little bit of light, light relief news, as they say. But um, Springsteen and uh, Paul McCartney were uh, rocking out this Saturday as part of uh, Hard Rock Calling in London, and they uh, well Springsteen played for over three hours, which I think is some pretty impressive going. So much so that they uh, just um, turned off the amplifiers. They pulled the plug. They were playing away, but I think it was only half an hour after the curfew, I think. It wasn't that long after, and they just pulled the plug on them, switched off the microphones, so they couldn't even say goodnight or anything. Well, that's their fault for going over the curfew. Why, why should Springsteen and Paul McCartney get special treatment? That's not fair. <laughs> 
see that's the message that they said in this or i think Oh, they I did think. it. I think they probably did it on purpose because they knew that Latitude Festival was on and they needed to somehow make their gig like newsworthy. So well done, Scott. Fell into that trap. Well, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. I am slightly disappointed because apparently I wrote three lines regarding that happening as opposed to only one line about the new keyboard. So I, I apologize for people who are listening to our show for incorrectly uh, prioritizing there. My apologies. Now, Interestingly, you only wrote one line about the next one as well, which is that Analog Factory have released Bass Attack. It's the dubstep, the dubstep terror. 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 Well, I, I would defy you to, to tell me what else I could have written here because um, Bass Attack is a, a set of 50 bass presets for uh, Native Instruments Massive. Uh, you could have said what computers it is compatible with. Everything you'd expect. Oh, okay. <laughs> And so if, I, native instruments if, massive. if I blow off the dust from my Atari 520 STE. If, if you have a Native Instruments Massive installed on it, you'll be fine, Adam. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for that. Yeah. I, to be honest, it's, it, it's, you know, I don't know what else to say about this, but the fact it was dubstep terror was, was important for me. So do you think, do you think dubstep will be waning soon? One can only it's hope. Simply- it's been quite strong for like several years, and I think that certain styles of music have been able to do that recently. You know, keep it going. And you know what? UK Garage might be coming back a little bit. I've been hearing a little bit of UK Garage influence in some music recently. Anyway, that's going off the beaten track, and I think now one of you two should bring us back onto the beaten track. Um. Okay. IK Multimedia have a summer promo going on. They're, um, they've got 70% off Amplitude free. Again, what more can you say about that? If you want to find out more, then go through the audiopodcast.co.uk today's show, and there's a link there. And it changes, it changes every week, doesn't it, this one? No, every four weeks. There's promos all summer, every okay. four weeks. So. so right now it's the Tone Tsunami. Yeah. And in <laughs> a few weeks' time, it'll be something different. Nice. Swish. I, I, I have a housekeeping question. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. the um the recording is it, I don't know if it's still recording or not. But the machine that I started the recording on it keeps dropping out, so I just leave it off. Yeah, it's it's probably still recording. I don't know. In it, terms of the Google part, the YouTube thing. If not, it'd be an audio only. Ooh. Fair enough. Okay, sorry about that. So. I, I, I have to confess, I didn't have opportunity to really watch this video. So uh, I understand that DV247 have demonstrated the Atoria Mini Brute, Sam. Yes, hello. I did watch this video. And having spent several days by the time I got this playing around with that drum machine and been frustrated about not being able to get my hands onto it, seeing this, which is an analog synthesizer from Arturia. So they kind of started out in the software world emulating hardware and now here they are producing analog synths and it it looks like a lot of fun a really really good little instrument they've designed and it still has um some software elements to it and that you can there's some parameters that you can um change via software so you plug it in with the usb and you can change the um, velocity mapping and things like that and what the after touch effects um but other than that it's all hands-on. You've got a mix, a mix for different oscillators, including an audio input, which, and the audio input can um, trigger the gate. So as well as having the audio go through the filter, you can have the audio trigger the envelopes, which I think is 
genius move. So, yeah, I, this this got me quite excited. And it's, it's it's new out now, but you probably won't be able to get your hands on one because, like, on their website, they've got we're all a bit sold out at the moment. Kind of notices, but yeah, this it's called the Mini Brute. There we go. And if I understand correctly, it's also very well priced for a um, for an analog synth. I, I can't remember how how analog it is. the The signal path is certainly analog. Um, I don't know if it's got digital. It'll have digital presetting and control, but the actual signal path. I I don't think so. I think it is. Just the analog, and it's it's got control. It's got CV in and out as well, so you can, can attach it to if you've got a modular system going on. And because it's got MIDI in and out as well, you can use it as a MIDI to CV controller. So I think that the the signal path is all it's all analog. Yeah. Basically, yeah, we like we like thumbs up. Yeah. Cool. Awesome stuff. Um, here comes the reference to show 32, Adam. Are you ready? <laughs> Hold on. Just before you go for it, just okay. before you go for it, I've, uh, we have dropped off the live broadcast. Would you like me to bring it back on? <laughs> if, if you want to try it, do you, will, it, will it come back in, do you think? Yeah, it'll probably drop off again, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, post-production is going to be a nightmare today. <laughs> no, it's going to be fine. Yeah, it's back. It's back. Yeah. Hello. So for those people watching live, uh, our YouTube, well, Google Google plus YouTubing is just flaky today, so it keeps dying. So you've missed something. We don't know what it is, and to be honest, we're, you can hear it on the audio recording because that's complete. So let's just carry on. So you certainly Sam, missed me putting my thumb up. Oh, that's true. So that Sam, really well. you, were, you were exciting Adam with the, the promise of the show number relationships. Okay, so back on... Oh, I've got the echo in my face again. Bloody technology. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, back in show 32, we talked about ARA, the... Um, what does that stand for? Who knows? Audio, audio Random Access, which is a technology from the people who make Melodyne, who are called Selimony? Ceremony, which is like celery. It's like celery, but with an extra little bit in it. Mm, And the extra little bits they do are really quite interesting. So Melodyne is was introduced to Pristina Studio One back whenever Show Thirty Two was recorded, and now they have released a software development kit for the ARA. So anyone who makes a plugin host or anyone that makes plugins can have access to this technology so that everyone can play with such things so it's not a new plugin format it's an extension to existing things this isn't linked to the uh, more integrated plugin environment in studio one per se this is something that's been released by ceremony separately it was initially released as part of Studio One. So I guess that was their like proof of concept that look, this works. And now it's a general release thing. Um, what it, the, the reason that it was necessary for them was the way that Melodyne works is requires information not just about what's happening right now, but about what's happening across the whole of the audio track in order to get the context. Yeah. And rather than having to make multiple copies of audio files in order to fully 
for a plugin to know what the whole audio file is doing. This new extension to the plugin architecture lets them, lets someone's plugin have access to the whole thing. And so it's a way of sharing information between plugin and host beyond the, here's a chunk of audio, here's a chunk of audio. So this is, if you want to put your plugins into, into Melodyne rather than, rather than something like putting it into Logic or into Cubase or something. This would allow Melodyne to plug into things like Cubase and Logic once the makers of those things implement the ARA. I see. So it's basically for the big software companies to be able to put the hooks in for Melodyne to work more efficiently in their programs. And once they do, it will be more than just Melodyne. Anyone who's developing plugins will be able to use this technology to to their own ends. I see. Well, good luck in getting that working in Logic, which hasn't been updated meaningfully for quite a long time. Yeah, we mentioned that last week. Was, yeah. Oh, I wish I was on. I haven't listened to last week's show yet, but uh, yeah, I've been struggling along with Logic, and it's gonna. It's time for a change. It's time for a change. It's also maybe time for a for a change in uh, in in. We, we, we're kind of talking audio, but we're kind of moving on to scores, and oh, in particular. Yeah. I, I was going to jump in. I was going to. You're going to jump in. Yeah, yeah. because because, um, because it's it's to do with with scoring programs such as Sibelius and Finale, um, and a new plugin. That's very true. But I was going to jump in on the last story just to say that there was an item that failed to make today's show notes regarding Personas, who have bought a company called Nibit, which is also another integration in the Studio One. So if you were going to try something different, Adam, I think maybe a studio one checking out persona studio one might be a good idea because there's, there's a lot I, of I might, development going on there at the moment. I might give it a try. Uh, I'm, I'm very much attracted to tools. Cause I'm, I'm used to pro tools. So I might, I might just be lazy and go to pro tools. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, new score is a GPL project, which is designed to, to develop an alternative to Sibelius finale and acapella capella and stuff like that. Um, it, it's kind of hard work to use at times and it's not as feature complete or as polished, but then it's completely free and it's a GPL project. So, you know, all those things kind of considered. And this announcement was, it kind of just caught my attention because it's a, an announcement of a new plugin system that they're building um, called QML. And it's just to kind of increase the awareness of this for people really is my main reason for mentioning it. Because first of all, it's a, in, an interesting project. And if you're doing small scale stuff, it's probably a, fairly feature complete alternative if you're just doing like little quartets and things like that to Sibelius. But um, the other thing is this is a new plugin system that they're built. It's it's kind of under a kind of development phase in the nightly builds. So if you have any involvement with the MuseScore project at the moment, building plugins or anything like that, then this is something that you need to kind of go and take a look at now because it's potential, it could potentially break plugins that are currently working when they roll out the final kind of completion. So, you know. It was an excuse to work to mention a very interesting, pro, a very cool project, and there's a bit of kind of call to action news about it as well for people who need it. So that's kind of cool. But obviously, you, we don't need a reason to to mention anything, and we certainly don't need a reason to mention reason, especially as they've done an Automap <laughs> four point four release. Oh, oh man! Do you hear that <laughs> siren? Do you hear that siren in the distance? It's the pun place. The They're pun coming place. for you, Scott. They're coming for you. So I, I was I was thinking about how we cover releases like this because you know they happen quite often and 
you know, it's quite often, oh, it's the 4.4. Uh. So this time I went into the release notes, that file that is there and nobody reads. So I, I, I have a couple of highlights out of this 25 lines or whatever it was. Um, so um, they, they've added a, an uninstaller now. So you can now uninstall Automap. Mm. That's kind of mm. nice. Um, support for Reasons Main Mixer. Um, fix the errors where things don't run if they're not running under administrative accounts. And, you know, that's especially on OSX. So that's kind of nice. And yeah. added a launchpad setup guide for Ableton Live. So that's pretty cool. There you go. I'm, I'm going to be falling over myself to go and download that, especially seeing as I don't have anything that uses Automap. So it'll be completely pointless. Well, if you were going to rush to download it, Adam, you could go to uh, theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 64 and the link would be there. I almost said wiki dot, by the way. I, I had to Whoa. hold myself back from saying that. Okay, we must be drawing near the end of the show now because we've made it back as far as Tuesday, back in time. And um, and there's a whole there's a bunch of stories all wrapped up into one here, which is um, from the Twitter feed on Tuesday. I picked these out. Um, so we'll go quickly through them. But this one, we're going to have to follow the link for the first one, which is Steinberg released Padshot Pro and Retrolog. And I think, Scott, you'll probably like the, um, the, the write-up on the words and how they describe these things. That's great news. I am, I, am, I am jumping to the link right now. Me too. It's taking a while to load. <laughs> Steinberg have a lot of news going, don't they? Because they have the Cubase update at the moment as well. If you're on an old version of Cubase, you can get a, a discounted upgrade to the current version. Yeah, yeah, that, that applies to me. Actually, I'm on an AI5 and they're offering 6. 6.5, isn't it? Something like that. I, yeah. I just, this is Hey, Apple. Oh, Steinberg's Apple. elated. Hey, Apple. Logic, logic. Apple. <laughs> they're updating, they're updating Cubase. Come on. Don't, don't you worry about it, Adam. You're going to get your logic update. It's going to be Logic Pro X. And you know what you're going to think of it? It's going to be terrible. Oh, it's just going to be the same apart from it. It'll have some some integration with GarageBand, which won't be of any use to me. No, it won't be the same. What they'll do is it'll do a little bit less than it currently does, and they'll have taken all of the buttons that you know where they are, and they'll have changed them, put them in different places, and made them all a little more touch nice. You know what? I wouldn't mind that. Well, I, I think, I'm I think glad to really, hear that. It really needs a bit of a let's just open up the thing and, and completely rewire it. I'm completely down with that. That's fine. I'm I'm excited by your faith that Logic has a future with Apple. I, well, I don't have a faith. I really don't feel like it's going to go very far. You know, there's just nothing. It's like it's like trying to listen for space aliens using a, a little a little dish that you use to serve fruit. You know, it's just not going to happen. Well, while you Adam, listen, Adam, you can listen. You just might not hear anything. <laughs> well, well, Adam exactly. deals with his uh, his um, you know emotional baggage in this issue here. I'm I'm happy to report <laughs> that uh, Steinberg is elated. That's nice. They're elated to release this uh, retro legend Padshot Pro. Nice. And so they should be. Well, and done. if you were offering earth shattering sub and noise oscillators, then you would be too. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it helps yeah, me hear the the Apple announcements about Logic. What? Anyway, I'm going to move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Um, 
That's a good spot there, Sam. That's quality descriptions. That's, oh, that's, that's really weird. So the, the next thing in oh, this little post that you're reading is about logic. And I, so it I wasn't last read. week. See, this whole time travel thing is kind of doing my head in. Right. Yeah, look, so what I was referring to that happened last week happened on Tuesday. 10. I'm going to read that. Yep, you should. So it's people moaning just like what you've been. So this is current. I, that was me thinking <laughs> we did it last week. And this, it's this week. Here we are. We I, I think we should Podcast have a... Um, this one. We should have a logic special where we invite people to just come and complain about logic. I'd have real fun <laughs> aggravating people to do that kind of show. That'd be awesome. That's a, yeah. So this is a you know where people have kind of suggested things that they would like in Logic X, new features they'd like to see, and things like that, and all that sort of stuff. And I have you know. a I have a good new feature. Oh, it not being rubbish is my new feature. It basically just you know i don't know what it is i'm i'm a logic guy i've been a logic guy for like over a decade and i just find it so frustrating to use sometimes it's just it's very hard to be precise with the program and there are lots of things that need to be completely overhauled and that should have been done already i mean it basically needs a complete overhaul that's what i'm asking for um and they did that with final cut pro x why can't they do it with logic? Maybe. Because they don't want to, that's why. Because Apple bought eMagic so they could make GarageBand, and now they've got logic and they don't know what to do with it. That's what I think. Anyway, less, uh, less about logic. Less about logic. I'm, I'm going to move on. I was, enjoying, I was enjoying reading the remarks that people had had and was developing lots of sarcastic answers. But... Yeah, how about the one, oh, a TR-808 style drum editor? Yeah, how about just a good drum editor? You know, don't, <laughs> no, don't ask for too much. I, I like the ones where it compared um, functionality to other things and requested that functionality in Logic. Because I was just like, well, just maybe buy those other things, perhaps. That would do better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that's kind of fun, though, isn't it? I'm, I, you know, I feel there is a Logic X special show that we should maybe try and do. That would just be fun. <laughs> just, just to antagonize people. We should. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I be part of that show? We could do. I want to read the second page of remarks about things people want in Logic. So. Oh yeah, me um, too. So Sam, can Sam, you move, you can on, move to on to the next thing? item? Okay. Well, I I can talk, I can only talk about it in proxy actually because this one um, when I was in at work um, as I am today, it we wouldn't let me through on the um, access denied suspected illegal contents. This is a response to a Guardian art, a Guardian article which was basically in support of the defunct um, sober stuff. And this was a response saying, are you nuts? And pointing out how, how all that stuff's not good. I, haven't got, I can't open the story because um, apparently it's not safe for work. I've, I've opened the link. It, it loaded this huge flash advert, which made everything seize up momentarily. Um, oh, dear. I'm not sure why it wouldn't be safe for work, though. I'm sorry. Because it mentions the words Pirate Bay, perhaps? Perhaps, Because yeah. it... Who knows? This, yeah, I don't know. They, well, I mean, what they... I, I posted on the um, on the show notes, the warning I got. The, um, this site is suspected of violation of copyright laws by, by supplying illegal releases of stuff. Like, but they're only suspected of it. And the use of such sites is forbidden by the people here um, under, the, under the use of policy under the user policy but rather than just warned me about that and say if you're found to be doing something wrong then we'll like 
take disciplinary action. They say, no. There we go. We've lost Adam. <laughs> oh, Adam's gone. You, you can you can invite him back in, but I, I think we're pretty near the end now, aren't we? Let's yeah, there's just some thunder to go. Should we? I'll invite him back in. Yeah, we better because he's 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 shouting across the metaphorical let chat me at me. So he's just going to go boing boing until we let him back in. He's invited. He's been invited back in. But we, we've made it. How far have we done? Oh, lastly, some video plunder. Not thunder, but yet sound from the sky. Clap sounds of the Northern Lights. This was, um, it's a new video of kind of current new and old research. So people, people in Finland, I believe, have been recording um, audio and visual stuff, researching a phenomena where people hear sounds in the sky when there's Northern Lights, the Ouroboros going off and these noises. And it's been stuff of... Um, Is Adam coming in or not? Been the stuff of folklore and legend and stuff, but now they've got some not quite scientific because it was experimental data, but they're getting towards something. And they were they were presenting this at a conference this week, and yeah, this video is, is pretty cool. Uh, warning: if you're going to watch it with headphones on or um or at all, like this, when the noises happen, they're really loud. It made me jump because like it's it's kind of background noisy, and then all of a sudden. But yeah, there you go. It's sounds, audio, unknown scientific mysteries. Awesome. Know but that. still no Yanch. Yeah, no, I, I think he, he didn't get the link, so I've sent him it again from somewhere else, and hopefully he'll get it this time. Yeah. Did it work? Oh, we just don't know. <gasps> you try inviting him again. I have, I'm trying again. Oh, oh you're trying again. Hey. Oh, yay. Is he there? Yeah, he's in somehow. Oh, dear. A bit flaky today. Are oh, you in? Can you hear us, Adam? Uh, oh, oh, whoa. It's the crotch shot on the video. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us into the plunder. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. <sighs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us into the plunder. So we've got uh, two items of plunder here. Uh, first of all, one which is of... Um, well, I think I put both of them up here. So um, the first one is a, a podcast that I enjoy called the Command Line Podcast. Um, it's about, um, well, if I get the phrase right, the intersection of uh, kind of hardware, um, hardware programming and public policy with a very kind of open source, free software kind of foundation to it as well. Um, and Anyway, it's... Um, the gentleman who does it, a guy called Thomas Gideon, recently moved from a kind of OS X box onto a Linux box and has consequently moved his entire production onto an open source stack. So um, he, he spends a kind of, it's a 30-minute show where he talks over how he records the show, how he, you know, uploading it, processing it as it needs to be, and then supplying it for kind of kind of use. So I thought that was a show that was worth that was worth listening to. Um so I put so the if link you want there. to hear from some people who know what they're doing about podcasting, then. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, we, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we've well, done a lot of these shows, Sam, you know. Our sort kind of work. Um, he actually uses our door and audacity. Um, so, so it's not like that. And... A brave man. A brave man. Well, he... I'm back. I'm you're, back. You're, back. you're back, yeah. Well, what was interesting about it for me, in, for me in particular is he um, reflected on the woes of trying to use USB 2.0 devices on Linux 
um, which is really hard. Um, USB one devices work out of the uh, off the bat now, but USB two audio devices are really hard work to get working. Still more hard work than FireWire at times, actually, which is kind of a bit odd. And um, he was just reflecting on the fact that he has a he's running a version of Ubuntu, which is almost off the end of its long term support, um, but he's deliberately stuck there because of the fact that he has a stable system that works with you know his kind of sound card that he's using and with the versions of Ardor that he has available and things like that. So it was interesting just to read, you know, you know, to just kind of, just to kind of listen to those kind of remarks and how he was doing there and other things. And as an aside, I actually interviewed him as part of Creative Pact 2011, last year's Creative Pact, where I actually talked about, you know, kind of how he develops his content and his kind of interviewing skill technique and things like that as well. So I put that in a comment just underneath the story in case people, you know, if you listen to the, if you listen to, if you listen to that show and you enjoy it, then I'd certainly recommend listening to the Command Line podcast. It's very interesting. But if you're more interested in how he talks about, you know, kind of interviewing and things like that as well, then I have an, I actually did an interview with him about that as well, which I linked to in the show, in the comments. So there you go. An interview about interviewing in this podcast about podcasters. I like it. <laughs> it's very nice. Um. And our final item of plunder. We never went who are, you know, because Adam wasn't here, was he? Arr. Arr. Oh. There we go. <laughs> and then finally... That wasn't that was a who are either. <laughs> yeah. that, that was a sad cat. Oh, let's, let's, let's push through. Let's push through. Push through. Push through. So uh, finally, Lifehacker um, have a, uh, ha- had an article about Facebook for musicians. Um, they also have a page for musicians. Not Lifehacker, Facebook. But that's there as well. And it was kind of, well, it was just ways that you might use Facebook to promote your music, to sell your music and that kind of stuff, which I found was quite, quite interesting. It's interesting insights into the edge, edge rank um, algorithm thing, which Facebook used to decide what shows up on people's news feeds first and stuff like that. So, yep, how to, how to score better on that. Nice. Awesome perhaps let's bring it to an end let's bring it to an end unless you i you guys have anything to add but i didn't really detect that you did it's been it's been a show of google google fail hangout fail multiple sound Log- cards busy sound cards oh it's, it's logic been fail logic fail logic fail but that's just in general that's not really the show yeah um and lots of arteria products both hardware and software that's true well a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a Sam fail on the review, but you know, it's. <laughs> I liked it. That's the, that's the it, was right. it was fine. Thank you, Adam. So uh, let's um, let, let let's do the wrap up. Let, well, let's wrap it up. I'm just going to wrap it. Let, let's do the wrap up. So um, this has been a show sixty four spark the review fuse of the audio podcast. I've been Scott Hewitt. I'm Samuel Freeman, and I have been and will continue to be Adam Yang. <laughs> I like Goodbye. that. Ending. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Oh, applause. Fantastic stuff, Clara. Fantastic.